Welcome to the Warrior Awards, celebrating 300 episodes of the Reality TV Warriors podcast and the best, worst and most Australian of TV between 2013 and 2019. My name is Michael Armstone, and here to celebrate our 300th episode with me is the Canadian who is proud to have become part of the Reality TV Warriors family over the past six and a half years, Logan Saunders. Six and a half years? Six and a half years. December 11th, 2013. We did our first one. Really? Yeah. Fuck, well, I don't know it's been that long. Mm-hmm. I do. I know things. My... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know you had the spreadsheet. How many how many appearances have I racked up in these 300 podcasts, Michael? You know I've not got the spreadsheet open. Oh, let me have a look. I think I only missed, like, the hunted ones. You've done 222. So probably, well, how many hunted podcasts have there been? Like, 30? Actually, no, scr- scratch that. You've done 224 because I've not put in... Vidim or this one. So, this is your 224th. So there's probably like 30 hunted podcasts? Yeah, something like that. And also joining us are my fellow Brit, whose family is waiting for him to bring some of that sweet, sweet quiz money in, Anthony Williams. Hey. And the lady who loves her family so much, she left him in a car at Kingswood Smith Airport while she flew to the UK in December, Michelle Fierce Denovan. <laughs> Random. I love spreading that rumour that you left your kids in the car, which is to crack oh, in the window. God. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you left your daughters in the car at Kingswood Smith Airport with the window slightly down and a note on the windscreen saying, don't break the window, they're absolutely fine. Completely untrue. Completely true, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> oh dear, I give up. So have you guys got a, a favourite moment of the past six years of TV or the podcast generally? With, with anything Ooh. in particular? Yeah. Um, uh, preferably of the podcast, because, you know, I'm a narcissist, but... Yes, yes, yes. I don't know. Oh. Probably some of the times that... No, okay. With the Hunted podcast, it's every time Anthony did a Blex impression. <laughs> I really look forward to those. With Amazing Race, it was any time we went totally off tangent and started talking about something else, and then I would have the giggles, and I couldn't stop. Logan, have you got one? Well, I can't help but go back to our very first podcast where there was, do we have to, with all five of us crammed in, with Eamon's, Eamon's terrible internet slash Wi-Fi connection from his phone, <laughs> and Eamon, who I don't think has podcasted with us in about five years now. Did Eamon, didn't Michelle and Eamon meet? I can't remember. Or am I the only one that's met Eamon? No, I think you're the only one who's met Eamon. Yeah, so I met him last year, actually, in uh, Malaysia, and we had a really good time. This time was a bit limited. Things did come up. But, yeah, we uh, had some meals around Kota Kinabalu and met some of his buddies and some of his friends through uh, through couch surfing. Couch surfing is very big in Malaysia. I have a huge soft spot for Eamon, I'm not going to lie. Eamon's always so lovely. Yeah, he's a good dude. It's just, man, he has been very... He's been a very, very busy guy. He's been hustling a lot the past few years. He really has. But if you do get to Kota Kinabalu, he will make time for you 100%. Oh, he better. Because it's on the list. He better? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he even met up with, uh, not even, uh, uh, Adam uh, Kolodny, a big uh, Survivor fan. I don't know if you followed uh, Adam Kolodny at all, uh, Michael, but... He's the one who hates China, isn't he? Survivor China, yes. Which means he would not be watching this season of V is the Mall. And last summer he did a 39 day tour of just only going to survivor locations around 
Southeast Asia, Australia, and Oceania. Impressive. Yeah, and one of the stops, of course, for the first season was to go to Kota Kinabalu. So we did meet up with Eamon uh, about a month after I did, I think. I'm very surprised you've gone this long in the podcast without mentioning Gilles de Costa as well. Yes, well, we just... We just finished our first memory recall, remembering the fallen podcasters. I guess who else had has podcasted with us that's no longer Heather? Heather's not done one in ages, yeah. Well, I mean, she did what five out of the three hundred. She did ten. That was all Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, that was all Hell's Kitchen. So we just did one season of that, and that had to be that must have been like five years ago now. Uh, it was two seasons, and it wasn't every episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, I never got a chance to podcast with Heather. Uh, you made a cameo to talk to her briefly, Michael? Yeah, I did a couple of episodes with her. Three episodes with her, actually. It's kind of funny when we both do like a huge number of these podcasts, yet there's still there's still a few that neither, neither of us were in. Well, we had uh, Amazing Race Australia 3, which I made one cameo in, surprising them all, uh, but officially we weren't a part of. There was the I'm a Celebrity Australia one that was a one-off, the Big Adventure one that was a one-off. There's a theme going here. Australian Survivor, which I did one of. Oh, you missed out on two Amazing Race Canada podcasts, or or one. I missed out on some sporadic Amazing Race US and Canada podcasts. But other than that, I've been here pretty much all the time. 280 or something like that for you? 270? Uh, 273. Yeah, so you still missed out on a chunk of it. That's still almost 10%. Correction, 274. <laughs> Granted, I think over the past few years, I think you've been on every single one, because we haven't really done any one-off podcast for a couple years now. We've been pretty consistent with choosing our staples. I have missed one of the past 140. And I know which one that is. You do indeed, because it was the only one that you did on your own. <laughs> yeah. And you missed, oh, well, you did miss out on others. I did my so very solo podcast about Amazing Race Australia 4. You did, but we don't talk about that one. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet? Yeah, just wait. Not until Amazing Race Australia 5 somehow undercuts how bad Australia 4 was. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope that's not going to happen. Should be the same quality? Hopefully it'll be much better. I don't know. <laughs> And have you got any more um, memories you want to share? Well, obviously, obviously, I've not done as many episodes, but yeah, some real ones from the older stuff you mentioned around Hunted. But I think um, when we first started doing Hunted, I wasn't prepared for how amazing people on the show would be. And, you know, just having messages to and from the likes of Nick and Io and Alex later in, in later seasons was just absolutely bowled me over. Um, that was that was incredible. I, I loved that, and I felt I've never ever felt so invested in a TV show as that first time we did Hunted. It was just incredible. And when when Nick and I made it to the boat, that was just unbelievable. Uh, I also, and we never talk about this, we did one season of The Apprentice that I really enjoyed, uh, particularly the whole uh, Jessica Cunningham <laughs> stuff. And, Diamonds uh, in Bivra. Yeah, that I really enjoyed that, and I know it kind of got lost in a sea of podcasts because there was like a million and one, and, and so we didn't get much of a listenership, but I, I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, it's one of those shows that I think we enjoyed doing more than people enjoyed listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is what podcasts are for, Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> it, it's pretty much shouting into the, the void and hoping someone hears you. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And and nobody did, but that's fine. <laughs> so, shall we get to some awards? Uh yes, let's do that. The first category we are going to talk about is Best Asia Pacific Show. Ooh. And the nominees are Australian Survivor, The Amazing Race Asia, and The Amazing Race Australia. Which Amazing Race Australia? Well, three and four, because that's between 2013 and 19. Ooh, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not Amazing Race Australia 2, that was 2012. I think we know exactly which one's going to get discarded straight away. Uh, Amazing Race Australia 3 and 4? Yep. And then the question, is Australian Survivor better than Amazing Race Asia, or not? Because we had the return of Amazing Race Asia 5, with Wonderful Indonesia and Wonderful Alan Wu, and Tara Basro was also there, doing her own cameos. And Australian Survivor's just been amazing. It's such a... It's really comparing apples and oranges here, because not only are they two completely different franchises, but what made Amazing Race Asia 5 so enjoyable was the contestants, and the fact that it was a show being brought back for, from the ashes just as a one-off and everything happened to work out perfectly for production even though from a production standpoint it was extremely extremely rushed all around and things that we would normally complain about such as no self-drive legs and constant equalizers somehow doesn't really get noticed because of the high quality of everything else that went on during the season yeah, I think if you compare it to Amazing Race Canada, which is probably its closest stablemate in terms of zero budget, heavily sponsored, all that sort of stuff, the thing that sets it apart from Amazing Race Canada is the fact that Amazing Race Canada has gone down the toilet because they are lazy with casting, and Amazing Race Asia was amazing when that came back. Yeah, and they did only they did spend half the season in one country, but they went to very different locations within that country and then the other countries they went to were very memorable and then on on the other hand you have australian survivor which has been a top-notch all-around a really good product and essentially a replacement for the american version of survivor it's like what people hope what like season 40 or so of the american version of survivor would be like where there's enough twists but they still keep to the roots of having a final two really intense challenges and overall epic cinematography i think amazing race asia and australian survivors share a lot of great points in the casting because not only do you have the great contestant casting but also jonathan lapalia is an amazing host i have no idea where they found him from yeah where did he come from he was he's not grand bowler no he's not he's not grand bowler who probably would have been a, a shoe-in if he'd been working for 10 at that point to try and host the uh, the Unholy Trilogy. But I have no idea where they found him from. And I think he's actually a mate of Probst, but somehow he's so much better than Probst. And the thing that stands out for me with him was in the very first revival season of Australian Survivor, when Craig was just blatantly flirting with him. Because you just don't expect it. Craig, in the middle of a challenge where he's supposed to be focusing just takes time out to thank the host for praising him. Oh, you're going to make me blush. Jonathan doesn't really go against any of the players. He doesn't really play favourites overall. He's a host who's a host. Apart from Shawnee, when he's complaining about the lack of Shantan. Mm. Is that a new All-Star thing? Yeah, um, Shawnee was in none of the previews for the uh, the All-Star season, so he was constantly photoshopping her into um, into various pictures that had been promoted, and then 
lamenting the lack of content. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> he just seems like a good guy all around. Yeah, he seems like a good dude, and when I've heard him be interviewed on other podcasts and stuff, he genuinely does seem like a really nice dude, and that he's enjoying just doing this for as long as he can. So, which one are you going for? Are you going for Australian Survivor or Amazing Race Asia? I'm trying to think, like, there's just been such epic moments from Australian Survivor. Like, Amazing Race Asia was just more fun and hilarious. Meanwhile, Australian Survivor is sort of, I would say, is the gold standard for... Is, I would say, I would put Australian Survivor on the same level as, say, the Mole Belgi in terms of really, really strong content on a week-to-week basis and on a season-to-season basis. There's very, very few complaints I have about Australian Survivor, except maybe an extra idol or two here that gets inserted into the game. But it's like the only franchise that hasn't had any advantage getting, because even Survivor South Africa had that, and to a lesser extent, Survivor New Zealand had all that Redemption Island crap, and having two players who had a very, very deep personal connection outside the game that production somehow missed. I'm going to go with Australian Survivor on this one. I actually thought you were going to go for Amazing Race Asia before um, we discussed this, so that's quite interesting. I love both shows, so I will just defer to you with that one. So we will say the award for Best Asia-Pacific Show goes to Australian Survivor. Oh, so you're making me say my opinion and you're not even... Well, like what you said, you had you said you had a favorite. I mean, I lean towards Amazing Race Asia, but I'm not opposed to Australian Survivor winning. <laughs> it's just that's what I mean. It's so tough. Like, what would be the criteria if it's what makes me laugh more? Amazing Race Asia would definitely win it. But in terms of just really good quality from production standpoint, casting standpoint, the challenges, uh, the editing. You kind of have to give it to Australian Survivor all around. Yeah. I think if you're purely looking at it from a podcast point of view, Amazing Race Asia is probably the most successful season we've ever had. If you're looking at it from the show point of view, I think Australian Survivor probably just pips it. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. Best Asia Pacific show is going to be Australian Survivor. Yeah, but it's it's almost a tie. Really close to a tie. So our next category is going to be Best British Show, and I'm going to bring Michelle and Ant in for this, because they love all four of these shows, I think. So the nominees are The Apprentice, The Heist, Hunted, and Race Across the World. Mm. So the question is, how are we going to narrow this down? (laughs) I've got a top two. My top two are Race Across the World and Hunted. I would agree that those should be the top two. Okay, and, and given that I haven't really watched Race Around the World, we can probably all agree it's Hunted then, right? Yeah, I, I, think, I think Hunted does probably win it, and it's a really predictable winner, but, like, Apprentice, it has good and bad series. Heist, if we're just judging this on 2013 to 2019, Heist got better in 2020. It probably stands more of a chance this year if we do it again, but I, I think based purely on Series 1, it was a little bit slow for me. And... Race Across the World was far better than it had any right to be, but I think, surprisingly, for a podcast that does, you know, Hunted every week, we're probably going to lean towards Hunted as our winner for this one. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you know what? I think, I think objectively that's probably fair. Anyway, yeah. Hunted has been genuinely 
top-notch every single series, despite 173 Ofcom complaints, despite everything else surrounding that whole crisis that was the end of Series 4, where everyone just kind of lost their marbles at the Hunters winning rather than anyone else. But, I mean, the cast and crew are always pretty much... I don't think we've really had that many run-ins with people from Hunted. They're all pretty much lovely... Yeah, they're very hardworking. They do a wonderful show, and I think it is probably a deserving winner. When I was kind of looking at all these categories, I could pretty much guess what was going to win this one. I think this is a more predictable one. Yeah, I, I think we would all agree that what really makes a show stand out is the casting. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think you know, Hunter very rarely put a foot wrong with casting. They bring in brilliant characters who are not always what you expect. Um, and they balance it nicely. You get people that are very, very relatable, but also people with really interesting backgrounds, and there's always a story, and they let the story play out, and I think that's really different from a lot of more fast-paced reality shows where now it, it's, you barely get to know the characters. In this, you really, really get under the skin of it, and I think they do a brilliant job, given they've only got six episodes as well. Yeah. I think if you contrast it with The Heist, which is the other show in the O'Learyverse... You don't feel bad when the hunters win and when the hunters capture people because they are all 3D characters as well. Mm. We have a sense of the motivations of pretty much everyone in HQ. And whilst some of us, Michelle, may not like some of the hunters, (laughs) Dr. Donna, we're never devastated when someone gets caught because HQ have done well. Whereas I think if you watch the heist and the more abrasive characters of the detectives, you're definitely rooting for the the fugitives a lot more in that show and it becomes a lot more devastating when you get cigars and croissants being handed out for your favorite character being charged yeah hey i just thought of another highlight as winning the ability to um interview leon hilmer ahead Mm. of ahead of um another podcasting team who we won't mention (laughs) yep Yeah, Lee and Hill obviously are a huge highlight. Um, They are nominated for Best Character because I love them dearly. Um, But they they made Hunted US so much more fun. And the fact that I am potentially going to get to meet up with Lee in a few weeks is going to be so much fun. Is he going to lock you in a room? I want him to lock you in a room. No, he's not going to lock me in a room, but um, he's got family near Austin. And I'm obviously going to Austin. So so he, he said he might make the trip down and see his family at the same time. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be nice. So I think the next category is probably going to be another one where we have a fairly obvious winner, and that is the best North American show. And the nominees are Amazing Race US seasons twenty four to thirty one, Big Brother Canada, Big Brother US, Hell's Kitchen, and Hunted US. Hmm. <laughs> With Amazing Race US, it's, it covers the good seasons and the bad seasons over the years. If it was based purely on Amazing Race 29, they would win. But it's not. It's all around, and unfortunately you do have 26 in there, you have 28 in there, 30 and 31. And 24. And, right, <laughs> that, that disqualifies you there right away. Yeah, I, I think if it was based purely on Amazing Race 29, then Amazing Race would win this category handily. But it is not, and you include the boredom that is 23, the mediocrity that is 24, 26, I quite like because the casting's fun on it, but I mean, 30 and 31 are indefensible, in my opinion. 
So, as much as obviously we love basically the entire cast of 29, I don't think Amazing Race can win this category. When's 32 going to air? There's some guy who posted today saying, no, I just heard it's going to air in May, but I think he was just trolling. He was almost certainly trolling. If I had to guess, it'll probably air in the same time slot as Survivor did, straight after it finishes. So, mid-May. That's a franchise that's almost cancelled. Yeah. And I mean, I know we discussed Hell's Kitchen a little bit earlier, but I genuinely can't remember that much about the seasons we watched, so I kind of feel like we can't let that win this category. Um, Big Brother US is a cesspool of vile people, on the whole. Yeah, we can rule that out. So then it's kind of by default Big Brother Canada versus Hunted US. And it's a tough one. I mean, I am the person here who's seen both of those shows. Hunted US definitely wins for me, because awesome. it was so fun. It was a one-season wonder, but you had the stars that are Lee and Hilmar, who flew Lee's wife in on a private jet to meet them. You had Pennywise and Henry VIII, aka Stephen and English King. I really need to make time for catching up on Hunted. You really do. You had David and Emily, who were stars as well. On the HQ side, you had Flatcap Charlie, who's a legend. Yeah, so I think Hunted US wins that one by default. Purely because the rest of the North American shows are not very good. No, there's been a big drop, a trough in quality over the past uh, past few years. Yeah, I will say Big Brother Canada does have its moments. Big Brother Canada 2 was a great season. Sadly, it kind of doesn't fall into our remit for actually these awards. It still wouldn't beat Hunted US, though. I'm so glad we covered season 3. Oh yeah, that was a fun one to cover. It just, looking at them completely um, unbiased, we did one season of each. And I think on balance, Hunted US was better. Oh, did I tell you about the story about when I went to the auditions a few months ago? So the winner of the past season, Dane. the hockey player, Dane, yeah, he's from Kelowna, which is where I had my audition a few months ago. And after I was done my audition, uh, he was already in the main area. And there wasn't even that many people auditioning in general. And there's people like, oh, Dane, and taking pictures with him. And he was actually just standing by himself for a moment where I could have easily taken a picture with him. But I just walked right by him and left the left the place. I'm like, eh, it's just Dane. Yeah, whilst maintaining eye contact with him. <laughs> I'm not that big of a fan of you. I'm here auditioning for Big Brother, but I'm not going to take a photo with you. <laughs> Who even are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm from RTV Warriors. You're just some peon who won Canada's second most watched reality show. Did you go to the Belgian Mall finale? I don't think you did, Dane. Bitch, did you nearly get off with Davey? No, you didn't. <laughs> so now, an award I've been waiting years to hand out. It is the Amazing Race Canada Award for Worst Adapted Franchise. <laughs> <laughs> what are the nominees? I can pretty much guarantee what the top two on this one's going to be, but I cannot wait to hear your opinions. The nominees are The Amazing Race Australia Seasons 3 and 4, The Mole Australia 6, The New Celebrity Apprentice, yes, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, and Kia Latope. What's the last one? Kia Latope, the French mole. Oh. The one that was ludicrously slow. How ludicrously slow? Uh, it was six episodes, and they were all about an hour and a half each. And how many people? Uh, ten. Oh, so they have to have double executions in there. Well, they didn't have a double execution, they had a final five. What? <laughs> yeah. 
how do you so there was a good chance that you don't even identify who the mole is yeah so there was five normal eliminations then there was an extra test in the finale and then a final four went to uh to the actual reveal okay it would have been better if it was like a well, maybe that's a twist for a future season of V is the Mall. Start with like 12 contestants, still have the same number of episodes. And once you get down to five or six, just be like, okay, here's the final quiz. Do you risk spreading on two suspects? Because you might you might win if you do that, but also you might not. It goes back to the Gilles de Costa rule of we always want someone to work out who the mold is. I'm still waiting for that season where everyone fucks up. <laughs> I'm still waiting for... The mole coming out of the, sh- like the winner's crown are like, yes, I figured out who it was. And the person comes out of the shadows and like, guys, do you, it, it's, I picked the other person. Oh, at least I still won. I think with these nominees, you can easily cut it down to two, which is Amazing Race Australia versus Mole Australia. I heard Aust- Mole Australia was just, it's probably the biggest discrepancy in, uh, between People who love, who are hardcore about a specific franchise, or even within that same country's franchise, and then absolutely hating a subsequent season. Like, even take Amazing Race US, for example, with season 24. It's considered the worst season, but there's still, for some reason, a chunk of people who like it. Same thing with, say, Amazing Race Canada. However... The Mole Australia 6 is the only one I've heard of where I actually met up with, say, Bindles, Naomi, Michelle, where they say, yeah, the, all those other five seasons, you know, all on varying degrees are good. But that Mole Australia 6, waste of time. <laughs> it's even worse if you know the behind-the-scenes stuff for Mole Australia 6, because they actually tried to get art from Dutch Mole to come over and host it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. They basically tried to adapt to Easter Mole for Mole Australia 6, and Art said no, and they ended up getting Shura, and then they ended up rowing back on all the stuff that they were actually going to adapt. And then what was the format? Like 20 episodes? Something like that, and surprise executions, and it was just a mess. The one bright spot of it is that it gave us Ali, who is an icon. Who's Ali? Ali was the queen of the box slamming. You must have seen that gif. She's doing the Path of Temptation in the library in Melbourne, and she looks in a box and just slams it down, because she's so annoyed with everyone for screwing her over previously. So it's just one highlight from 20 episodes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it's basically between Amazing Race Australia Seasons 3 and 4 and Mole Australia 6, and I have a firm winner out of that. Mole Australia 6? No, it's the Amazing Race Canada Award. Amazing Race Canada's going to win Worst Adapted Franchise, obviously. Oh, I didn't even know it was one of the nominees. It's not. It's a write-in. <laughs> in the Amazing Race Canada Award for Worst Adapted Franchise, there is only ever one winner, the Amazing Race Canada. What the hell happened to Amazing Race Canada after season four? It just went down the fan. I think the biggest thing of why it hasn't improved is, A, they still get huge ratings from the domestic audience, and B, there's no journalists or major media personalities who are saying, hey, this franchise can do better. And should. And should do better. So we have now had three seasons that have been absolute shit-tacular, and that's a travesty. And talking of travesties, our next 
one is going to be one that I think will break your heart to have to pick between. Because it is the best seasons we never covered. And there are only three nominees for this, and I have already warned you what they are. Australian Survivor Seasons 4-6, to Demol Argentina in South Africa, Vista Demol Season 18. This, this, this is a tough one. I don't know where to really begin. I mean, the Mole Belgi is what turned us back into watching the Mole, both Dutch and Belgian versions, so intensely over the past few years. Especially the Mole Argentina just has a special... Because that was the first full season I rewatched, right? Or watched, I mean. So, I mean, the Mole Argentina has a very special place in my heart, especially when I, I know really well one of the locations they went to within Argentina, which is La Plata, where I stayed for for over a week uh, a couple years ago um and of course the south africa season has so many memorable highlights and and davy uh <laughs> and did, we did we covered mexico right yeah yeah we covered mexico the question in my mind with this category is do we consider australian survivor seasons four to six better than either mole season or either mole franchise there the thing is, yeah, I mean, Australian Survivor uh, 5 specifically, or, no, wait, trying to, trying to figure out the math. I hate how the Australian Survivor numbers their seasons now. There's like two that don't count, right? The first two, and then three was Christy, then four was Jer. Yeah, see, Australian Survivor 4 was amazing. But three doesn't count for this, because three we actually did some coverage on. Oh, I see. So it'd be like the two Champions versus Contender seasons. And season four. Yeah, it's the Jericho one and then the Champions versus Contender ones that count for this. What about Survivor New Zealand Thailand? That's not that's not in there? I don't think it's up, up there with these three, is the honest answer. We can give it a, a courtesy nod if you want. I think it is. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's not going to win an award, but I feel like it just deserves to be in the... I feel like it deserves to be recognised, especially knowing that it had such a strong season and then... That was it for Survivor New Zealand. Yeah, so we'll add it, add that in as the fourth nominee. So the four nominees now are Australian Survivor Seasons 4-6, Demol Argentina in South Africa, Vistamol Season 18, and Survivor New Zealand Thailand. Well, we can rule out Survivor New Zealand Thailand. <laughs> After you've made such a fuss. <laughs> um... <laughs> and, I mean, there's the, two, the first Champions versus Contender season of Australian Survivor wasn't the greatest overall, especially Benji stuff. If you take Benji out of the equation, Australian Survivor Champions versus Contenders 1 is a bit more fun, and it was hilarious to see Russell Hance go down the way he did. What does that leave us with? It's the two Mole franchises, as always. So, V is the Mole Georgia, slash Kazakhstan, slash Azerbaijan, slash Russia, slash Ukraine, or... Or the mobility. Yeah. I think if you take it purely as one episode, Vista Mole Season 18, the opening episode is the greatest episode of all time of any reality TV show, and probably will never be topped in my mind. However, Argentina and South Africa between them have some of the best moments in reality TV history. The ping pong was the first episode of that. That was the first introduction to, hey, the mole Belgi is back. Watch this middle-aged woman explode in paint. If you talk about opening episodes, as we would have to if we talk about Vista Mall Season 18, if you look at Belgi Argentina's opening episode, the first 12 minutes or whatever are pure cinematic 
porn, basically. Well, yeah, they went to the salt flats. Yeah, it's beautifully shot, and it's it's gorgeous. Even without having subtitles for it, you get exactly what the show is straight away. You think, wow, this is cinematic as hell, and it just sucks you in straight away. So, as much as it pains me to root against Vistamol, Georgia, I think if we just take the seasons as a whole, it's got to be Argentina, South Africa for me. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even t- we haven't even mentioned a the museum heist and b the ostrich maze where the contestants are chased by live ostriches while you're while other people are playing Scrabble against a host. We are going to get to this fairly soon, but I love to argue Amazing Race 29, Episode 9, is one of the funniest episodes in reality TV history, with Scott and the bungee jump, with just the entirety of Brooke and Scott's adventures in Vietnam. I would argue that Demol South Africa, the two episodes, one of which is the Junk Museum Heist, one of which is the Ostrich Maze... If I remember correctly, the next episode after that is the one where they fake them out by claiming they're going to be in a cage with lions. That is the best two episodes, comedy-wise, in reality TV history. It's pure character stuff, and it exemplifies why we love covering Belgian Mole so much, I think, is, is the fact that they go out of their way to do pure character stuff and just mess with them. Which is why it's part of the reason why I think they're not going to do a huge number of seasons. Yeah. As much as it pains me to say it, I think that this year will be the last Belgian Mole for a little while. I think we are not going to have Belgian Mole next year, at least. And obviously, we will be able to find out in uh, in Kinepolis in a few months. But I think probably they're going to take a year or two off. Hopefully not 10 again. <laughs> 15 it was, actually. Yeah, let's hope they don't do that. Yeah. I'm not sure the podcast will still be going in its 21st, 22nd year. (laughs) So the next award is another one that I had such delight doing the nominees for. It is the Voldemort Cellini Award for Mediocrity in Casting. Based off of Gino and Jesse, the winners of Amazing Race Canada 3. Yes, named after Logan's favourite team ever. (laughs) And the nominees have pretty much all been mentioned so far, actually are The Amazing Race US 24, The Amazing Race US 30, The Amazing Race US 31, The Amazing Race Canada 5, and The Amazing Race Canada 6. So Amazing Race Canada 5 was the Millennials slash Canada 150 edition, Uh, Amazing Race Canada 6 was the Heroes edition, Amazing Race 24 was Fake All Stars, Amazing Race 30 was the Champions edition, and Amazing Race 31 was Reality Showdown. Yeah. Themes and casting do not always work out the best. (laughs) <laughs> Are there any of those seasons that stand out for particular mediocrity in casting? Well, six uh, Masonry's Canada 6 was the first season I just only could watch an episode and a half of. And if you know how big of an endorsement I am of Canadian reality TV and how much coverage I've done of, of Amazing Race worldwide, for me to watch an episode of Amazing Race Canada and think, hmm, this is not worth my time, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I think as much as I would obviously love to give it to Kevin and Ryan for season five, I think the rest of their cast kind of saves them. Even Dan and Rhea? Especially Dan and Rhea. Because for every Dan and Rhea you have, you have a Megan and Courtney. Yeah, like there was some teams in Maze Race Canada 5, but the odd thing is that 
production didn't learn their lesson. And we end up with the most boring cast of all time for Amazing Race Canada 6 and for nine or ten of the teams, or for nine of the teams in Amazing Race Canada 7. Like, we've had a huge stretch, and this is two years in a row now, of Amazing Race Canada having just terrible, terrible, terrible casting. I'm not sure with Amazing Race 31 you can necessarily call a season with Colin and Christy coming back as one with mediocre casting. It's more disappointing casting, because on the face of it, that cast should be pretty good. In reality, they're playing it far too safe and are quite boring. Yeah. So that leaves us with 24, 30, and Amazing Race Canada 6. And 24 just had an awful boot order for the most of it. I mean, the fact you have a season where Dave and Connor and Caroline and Jennifer are top two is pretty brutal way to end the season. Yeah. But is it mediocre? Well, I mean, it's awful. Yeah. What we're looking for here is the perfect neutral seven of mediocrity in casting. Where it's just a complete blip and blank spot? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Amazing Race Canada 6, isn't it? Yeah, because it was Heroes Edition. Like, If you look anywhere on the internet, other than one person out of 20 people in the cast, nobody gets mentioned, and it's been two years. And our next category is going to be Best NPC, which I'm going to officially give the definition of before we do the... um before we do the nominees on this one, because it is the best character who is not a main character, so not a contestant, and not a host. What? This is too random. Essentially best background character. And oh you'll gosh. you'll see when, oh, I, you're not. when I'm about you're to read You're putting them. him in there, aren't you? I'm putting who in. <laughs> the guy from Hunted US. <laughs> For the record, Michelle and Anne do not know the nominations for this one. <laughs> with good no, reason. No, but I bet he's there and he's going to have to win because no one, if, everyone if, else will pile in comparison. If Blaze isn't in the list, I'm out. <laughs> because I am about to say the nominations for this one are... Here we go. I love how after 300 episodes you're about to predict exactly the fact that I'm about to say the word Blaze. The nominations yes. are Blaze from Hunted US... <laughs> Yes, who else? Also from Hunted US, Flatcap Charlie. No. Oh. From Hunted UK, Doug. Oh. From Australian Survivor, Sammy Shores. Mm. And from Hunted US, Beth Wolf Wilson. Have fun, kids. Oh, oh, God, this is impossible. This is the category where I think this is going to cause some arguments. <laughs> okay, Blaze can't be first now. <laughs> Because it, it now it's between Beth and Flatcap Charlie. Blaze got nominated purely because I knew it would annoy you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was looking through my hunted US notes last night just going, yeah, I'm going to have to put Blaze in there just for funsies. Oh, man. We had so much fun with Flatcap Charlie. <laughs> I know. We had so much fun with Flatcap Charlie. We have so much fun with Doug on a weekly basis. And, you know, Beth is awesome. So yeah, I, th- I think it is between Flatcap Charlie, Doug, and Beth. Ooh. We can have tied winners, for the record. Okay, so I'm going to say we can take Beth out based on we should be viewing this as RTV viewers. I think she's wonderful and amazing, but more off the show than on the show. I think she was great on the show, but I don't think, I don't think you could put her in the same category as Doug or Flatcap Charlie. I'm inclined to agree, but I do want to say I love Beth Wilson. Oh, absolutely. 
she's one of my favorite npcs on any show i've ever watched because she is complete trouble she was responsible for the butt dialing the hunters and the fact that we got to trick her on the interview and make her name all the hunters and she did very well under pressure i mean flat caps off to you <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, it's... I'm going to put flat cap up. I think hey, if this was if this was a friends of the show category, that would be a different thing. Yeah. The question is, how do you separate flat cap Charlie and Doug? Oh, if man. you can. <laughs> and the irony is that they both perform very similar roles. Yeah, like, they're yeah. they're both basically the ethical hackers yeah. of their respective shows. Oh well, there we go. There's a tie. Yeah, it's a tie. Yeah, I don't think we can separate them. I think both are worthy winners of Best Non-Playable Character. Amazing. Logan, I know you're a bit annoyed at some of the nominations. Are there any special mentions you want to do for Best NPC? Uh, best, let's see. The Filipino traffic cop from Season 25, uh, who was pulling out some Michael Jackson dance moves. Uh, Hagen, the handsome bush pilot. Uh, in Namibia from Amazing Race 26. Um, maybe the Singaporean masseuse <laughs> that tortured Amy and Maya in Amazing Race 25 as well. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm trying to, trying to think. How about one from Amazing Race 85? Oh, yes. <laughs> of course. Deputy Minister Patana. A guy who gets to be the host of the starting line and appears again at the finish line. Where did he come from? Why is he there? Doesn't he work for the government? Shouldn't he be doing government work? Why is he on the set of Amazing Race Asia? Why is he with guys like JK and Mike? And I have to ask, after two and a half years or so, can we have a bit of Deputy Minister Patana impression, please? (laughs) Ready, set, go! And that was all he said. <laughs> and he was so enthusiastic and happy to be there. Like, if they bring back a Masonry Asia 6, it's going to be Deputy Minister Patana and his wife. Or Alan Wu won't even be the host. It'll be Deputy Minister Patana and Tara Basro. Can we just mention Tara Basro for a moment? Who? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's a great... If you ever get a chance to talk to contestants from Amazing Race Asia 5, just ask them about Tara Basro. Because when we watch on TV, you think, oh, you know, there's all these producers, you know, they get to chat with Alan Wu or Phil Kogan quite a bit. There's a lot of stuff we don't get to see. But with Amazing Race Asia 5, we're thinking, hmm, Tara Basro, not a very big part of the season. Looks like she wants to jump off that bridge in that canyon and Yogi and Joe Jakarta. Uh, I think she will not want to host another season and she only appears in half the episodes. And if you ask the contestants, they'll confirm the depiction of Tara Basro on TV is identical to how it was in real life. Genuinely one of my highlights of any season we've covered was the continuing adventures of Tara Basro and our ridiculous claims as to where she'd actually hidden herself that week when she didn't appear in an episode. And the greatest thing is that, because I decided to follow her Instagram and she did an Instagram live once. This must have been two or because Mason Reeves Asia was like three years ago now, yeah. It was right before, yeah, right before my uh, Europe trip. 
Yeah, it was, because we listened to JK and Mike as you were sat in the spare bedroom in my old house. Wow. So anyways, so this would have been probably close to two years ago where she did an Instagram Live, maybe a year and a half ago. I felt like it was a while after Amazing Race Asia 5. And I just commented, I asked a question about Amazing Race Asia because she was responding to everyone else's commentary. I asked something about Amazing Race Asia. She completely skips over it. <laughs> I don't know if she really hated Amazing Race Asia or it was just she viewed it as a just as any sort of gig, I guess. It'd be it's like with Alan Wu where he hosts a an event for some sort of gala for, I don't know, a convention of chefs or a fitness convention or a Star Wars premiere. Maybe that's how Tara Bowser just viewed Amazing Race Asia as just, oh, this is just a TV gig I'm doing for a couple weeks and that's it. To further my uh, acting career. Yeah. So she probably didn't expect that there's like this these core group of people that are going to be bugging her about Amazing Race for the rest of her life. So we have three categories left, and all of them are basically a murderer's row of nominations now, I'll warn you. Okay. So, so the next category is Best Character, and the nominees are Brooke Hamhai and Scott Flannery for Amazing Race 29, Sinan Chan for Vias de Mall 19, Molche Gilson for Vias de Mall Season 18, Yori Lose for De Mall Belgium Vietnam, Blair Townsend and Hayley Keel for Amazing Race 26, and Lee Wilson and Hilmar Skagfield for Hunted US. You know what? I think I can confidently pick a winner from that list. I suspect I know where you're going to go, but shall we narrow it down a little bit first? Um, well, I haven't seen Hunted US yet. Yeah, I, I love Lee and Hilmar. They are wonderful, and in fact, in hopefully a few weeks, I'm going to be meeting up with Lee um, when I go to Texas. They are responsible for the most ballsy move maybe in reality TV history by flying Beth into um, in to meet them in Georgia on a private plane to find out the sex of their third child. Um, she's now pregnant again. And they were some of the most wonderful people to us on this podcast. Um, they are, I think, still the only people we've ever had to go through a, an official press office to interview. <laughs> because CBS gave us the runaround a little bit, um, but they were so generous with their time, and they're, they're still some of my favourite people who've ever been on a show that we have covered. They're delightful. But I put them in there mainly so they would get a nomination, because sadly, with it being me and you deciding, they're probably not going to win. Yeah, well, they, they get a nod, though. They sound like good dudes. They are, and when you watch Hunted US, you will probably fall in love with them like we did. Who else do you want to um, eliminate from contention? Uh, let's see. Hmm. I think Yuri. I think Yuri's going to have to be eliminated from contention. King of the Reagan Pipes, Yuri Lose. And it was surprisingly difficult to find out his surname will be real. <laughs> I did have to go snooping to find his surname out. But yeah, Yuri was another person who we had a lot of fun with on the Belgian recaps last year. He was a bundle of joy. He had no idea who we were at the finale. At all and was very unconfident with his English, which made it even funnier, and was surprisingly impressed when we knew the words Afflavoring, Vrystelling, and Reagan Pipe. <laughs> awesome. And now we're down to the four I expected us to be down to, which is Brooke and Scott, Sinan, Molche, and Blair and Haley. 
Uh, CNN, as much as I love him, I don't know if I can give him the W, even though he went to North Korea to see WMDs. I would agree that CNN is an obvious elimination there as well. CNN, as much as we love mocking him, let's be honest, he is our perpetual punching bag, and I would love nothing more than to actually meet him at the Vistamol finale in a couple of weeks. I think CNN is the obvious um, elimination here. And then I think Blair and Haley, I think they're in the next to be removed. They get a podium position, though. Yep, just like in Amazing Race 26, they get a podium position. I think it's because of Blair being in the team. Haley always stands out a bit more. It's got to be a all-around strong effort. Yeah, I kind of had to nominate Blair and Haley together, just like I nominated Brooke and Scott together. When does a team lose their team? Yeah, they they come as a package, and I don't think the Haley experience would have been as fun if she was paired up with anyone else. And they're yet again wonderful people. Um, Haley especially has been delightful to us um, over the Amazing Race coverage, and Blair is now with Brooke. Huh? He knows how to be with the best characters. And now, hand on heart, who is a better character, Brooke and Scott or Molche? See, with as much as I love Mulche's Michael Jackson crotch-grabbing antics and being flabbergasted when she found out who the mole was at the finale, I think you gotta give the W to Brooke and Scott. I think so too. They know full well they are my favourite Amazing Race team ever. I love them both dearly as individuals. They are delightful people. They are, as much as they would hate me saying this exactly how you see on screen, or they were when I met them in London. And they single-handedly made Amazing Race 29 the best season in years. And years since. Well, it's by default the best season of Amazing Race for a while, but, I mean, it's by far the best season since definitely 25, maybe even as early as like 17 or 12. Maybe even earlier than that. And now on to our penultimate category which is another one that I think is going to cause quite a lot of arguments. It is Best Host. So the nominees are Friend of the Podcast Grant Bowler, Best Friend of the Podcast Jules DaCosta, Arissa Cox, JLP, and Friend of the Podcast Alan Wu. (laughs) (laughs) These are all really great hosts. Yes, they are. They all do their job well. Yeah. I mean, we have a list that John Montgomery's not even on. Hmm. I am going to eliminate two straight off the bat. And who would that be? I'm going to eliminate Arissa purely because we've not had much interaction with her, being perfectly selfish about it. Although her love for Big Brother is amazing. And for Survivor as well. She went on location for Survivor one of those seasons in Fiji and interviewed the contestants and Jeff Probst. Yeah, her love for the shows is amazing, but sadly, our heart is probably somewhere else in this category. And controversially, I'm going to eliminate Grant Bowler because we can only really judge him for Amazing Race Australia 3, whereas everyone else we can judge for more than one thing. No, Alan Will can only be judged for one thing. Yeah, but the other thing we can judge him for is the fact that he met up with you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So I, I think if it was based on all of the Amazing Race Australia seasons, Grant Bowler would be definitely up there for me. Because it's only based on Amazing Race Australia 3, 
as much as he is a delightful human being and has been very kind to us, I don't think he can win this category. Now, who do we got? It leaves us with best friend of the podcast, Jill, JLP, and Wu. So, and JLP's a really good host, but I don't think either of us have interacted with him at all. No. I think JLP is the obvious elimination there. So Alan Wu or Jills DaCosta? Here's the thing with Jills, though. He's essentially showrunner. He has the same role as Jeff Probst does with Survivor. But guess which one of the two does their job ten times better? Jills. I mean, if just purely taking us out of it for a second, Mm -hmm. Jill is way more interactive with the fans and doesn't have his head up his ass like Probst does. Probst, when everyone says, end Edge of Extinction, he goes, no, I know better than you. If we turned round to Jill and said, we don't like this twist, you can bet your ass that next season that twist wouldn't be in there, if there was enough of a fan response. I agree. Probst essentially had to be bullied into not including a twist that he loves, because fans were revolting at him. Jill, I don't think it would take that far. Bringing us back into it, he has been probably out of everyone, the kindest person to us generally. So as sycophantic as it is, Jill is probably winning this category. Well, it's just what he does, though. You realise how much love he puts into his work. He doesn't really tamper with the format of the show. He never does... He never recruits people or picks celebrities or basketball players or whoever. He says, he wants... He says, I want ordinary people. So I'm going to pick ordinary people. I'm going to pick people who I want to spend three weeks with on location. I don't care if they're going to be controversial and grab reins for TV. I just want 12 people who I can travel to with to a foreign country, have a good time, do all these crazy challenges, put on a show for the fans, and just make the best damn product possible. I don't actually know whether I've ever said this on the podcast, but... Even before we started covering Belgian Mole, Gilles was my favourite Mole host. By far. Because he's just constantly having fun, and he's the best bits of all the great Mole hosts. When we started covering Belgian Mole, he became an even better Mole host for me. As soon as we spoke to him, and I realised not just how much he does as a host, but how much he does as a showrunner, I have infinite respect for him. And in fact, pretty much whenever I mention the Mole now, whenever I'm on TV quiz shows or whatever, and I mention my love of the mole, I will then immediately follow it up by saying, the Belgian one's the best, and Gilles is why. And then obviously added into that the fact that he invited us to the finale, surprised us with the fact we were press, invited us to the VIP party. And he invited the Trust Nobody podcast people there too. He didn't have to, he says that wants to just get the Trust Nobody people there. Yeah, he was very generous with his time even when, as we found out afterwards, he was having a bit of trouble personally that day. So, he's not just the best host for me, he's just a good person. Yeah. And so not to take anything from Alan Wu, who is... No. Are, oh, no like, every, all the contestants, like, near with Jeff Probst were contestants, con- some of the contestants like, yeah, he's a bit of a jackass. With Alan Wu, all the contestants will defend Alan Wu to the ends of the earth. However... Alan Wu isn't a showrunner. Like he's he's the epitome of a host. He does not get involved in any aspect of production, as far as I know. 
Yeah, the the thing that links Jill and, and Wu is the fact that I think genuinely hand on heart they are both very good people. And that's why they keep getting these all these responsibilities and good jobs. Like these companies are like, hey, this is a good guy to have work for us who loves our format and our show. Let's have him as host. And the case of Jill's, hey, let's just give him all the power in the world and see what he does with it. Well, Wu did not have to meet up with you when you were in Singapore, but he chose to and actively pursued you to meet up with him, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I just asked him out of the blue, out of the out of the blue, and <laughs> said, "Hey, Alan Wu, host of twenty seasons of Amazing Race between Asia and China. Uh, do you want to do you want to meet up for coffee or something?" And he's like, "Yeah, for sure." I think the thing that links these two guys is they are both really good at what they do and they're also really generous with their time and are really nice people. So they mm-hmm. are both worthy finalists on this category. I think Gilles probably has the edge though for me. Mm. And you compare it to the American hosts say like Julie Chen, Phil Kogan, Jeff Probst, you reach out to them, there's no way they would just be like, Yeah, I'm gonna have a co- I'm gonna have coffee with a random van or random podcast podcaster. Unless you're, like, high up in the media, like, say, Dalton Ross or something, that would never happen. So, our final category is the best overall show. So the nominees are Australian Survivor, Belgian Mole, Hunted, Amazing Race Asia, and Viesta Mall. I don't think anyone's going to get surprised by the final three for these, I'll be honest. Which one do you want to rule out first, Michael? I think we basically just can cut it down to Belgi, Vidum, and Hunted. Hunted UK? Yeah, Hunted UK. All right. I, I've seen a bit... The thing is, there's just all between all the shows we cover and stuff, I just haven't had time to watch that much Hunted UK. I can't believe it's already in its fifth year. Yeah, I think as much as we obviously love Australian Survivor, I mean, we spent far too long talking about it earlier as it is. And I think... As much as we love Amazing Race Asia, I think it kind of boils down to those three shows as our our tentpole franchises, if we're going to go for a best overall show. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say something surprising now. I think I'm ruling out Vista Mall next. Hunted UK's been that big of a staple for you? Well, Hunted, especially in the past couple of days, because we are recording this uh, just after the first UK Hunted of this year went live, our recap of the uh, the episode. And I think both of these two shows share something in the fact that there is a community surrounding the show, and that everyone involved in the show kind of gets involved in our coverage of it as well. So if you take something like Hunted, half of HQ listen to us. And we have got so many messages just in the past day or so of people going oh, we really enjoyed your uh, your podcast, we can't wait for you to be back next week. Just from people actually involved in the show. I mean, the guy who created the show actually sent out a tweet a few hours ago going, you really need to listen to this fan podcast, it's really good. He's a legend. That'd be like if Bertram tweeted about our Amazing Race coverage. Yeah. However, this is going to shock nobody. I think Belgi wins. Yeah. I mean... Season after season has been, like, when Belgian Mole's been at its worst, which was arguably the Mexico season, that's still a pretty damn good season overall. You still have highlights such as... Steve. Uh, 
Yeah. Steve just being old. What's that Tunnel Busy about, Michael? You really want to talk about Tunnel Busy when uh, when you drafted that team for Vidim, Logan? It's not Tunnel Busy when it's three people. I didn't, I didn't draft Johan. He was near the bottom of my list. Not as far at the bottom of the list as he was for me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think if there's one show that exemplifies why we love doing this podcast, it's Belgi. Yeah. I mean, the Argentina season from the beginning and when you have iconic challenges like Jill's running through the the Buenos Aires subways and the pizza place with the radio <laughs> challenge. And South Africa, drunk museum heist, ostrich maze, pretending they were in a cage with lions... Mexico had the literal Mexican standoff and opened with people being buried alive in escape rooms. And that chase through the deserts that they did in the second episode, and in the first episode where one contestant opens the envelope and has to scurry away, and everyone's like, um, what the hell just happened? And then Bertrand's mishap with getting executed two rounds in a row. (laughs) Poor Bertrand. And the elimination by car bomb. And Hans, and... Booba! And Booba, and just all of the Vietnam season, ending in Axel having to sing whilst having a massage. Like, this show is just a delight. And there's no better show in my mind, and I know after an hour or so people are going to be going, oh, this was a really obvious answer to the question of what is the best show that we've covered. But it's... It's a simple answer, because it's true. Any reality TV producer or host, they just need to watch the Mole Belgi and just take inspiration from that and apply it to whatever rut or or down spiral that their own show is experiencing, like Bertram and Elise and Phil Kogan. They need to turn on the Mole Belgi and get inspiration for what to do for season 33 of Amazing Race. Otherwise, it's going to be gone for good. For me, the pure love and attention that is put into every little thing in Demol Belgi is what puts it head and shoulders above everything. Yeah, it really is about the details, too. Like, with Australian Survivor, it's just an overall strong format and production value. And you know what? We should really give a nod to Survivor South Africa as well. I know they went crazy with advantages, but when you hear Lou LaRue, brother... Uh, get interviewed. You can tell that he like he he's dissing things that the American franchise is doing. He's like, why the hell would you have an edge of extinction and stuff? At least Survivor South Africa is trying to attempt a couple of things that are unique on a budget that you know is zero razor. Yeah, like the fact that they have a Grantler. Like, okay, if we're gonna make a season of Survivor South Africa work and have a worldwide audience. Okay, the grand prize is going to be the equivalent to $72,000 US, I think it is. Yeah, because it's about 10 to 1 for Rand to... Yep, so like $72,000 for the grand prize, which means, okay, now we have a budget to try and do other things in the season, have better cinematography overall, and have a cast of 21 people, and have more wiggle room on what minor twists to do throughout the season. I think that... Survivor South Africa Island of Secrets, which was last year's one, they were unfortunate because they know what they're doing. They just ended up getting unlucky with what happened boot-wise. 
and with everyone being suckered in by Rob. Yeah, Rob Rob in Survivor South Africa, he's got to be one of the best one-time players worldwide, if, if possibly the best player I think I've seen. The fact he won as like a million immunity challenges and didn't face any significant opposition. When he did face opposition, that was the person who was next to go. And then the next person who was going to go realized, oh, I should go after Rob, but then they didn't have the numbers. And then it was kept being too late for each person. And even Steffi didn't really, was trying to do something, but decided not to. Yeah, I think Survivor South Africa is an unluckier mission. I think if they'd got a bit luckier with it last year, they might have had a chance at at least getting a nomination for Best Overall Show. But as it stands, I'm pretty happy with the five we had on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy with the winner. So have you got anything else to say? I don't know. Anything else you want to do to celebrate 300? Any other? What's your favorite memory from podcasting over the past six and a half years, Michael? I mean, by default, it's probably going to be talking to Jill and then going to the finale. But just the sheer amount of impressions that we end up doing on the Hunted podcast always makes me laugh. I mean, Ant doing the the piece of Lexley doing a nursery rhyme is just the best. The fact that we managed to trick Michelle with the uh, the fact that we were on a quiz show was wonderful. Um, what else? All the interviews. I've loved pretty much everyone who we talked to. Amazing Race 29, generally, because I think that was probably our most fun season to cover. Sneaking the entire Amazing Race 31 boot order past you and Michelle every week. That was fun. I've got loads. I mean, I've got 270-odd episodes to go on. And what, what's what's keeping you going past uh, 300? I think it's because... Hand on heart, we we serve a very important purpose. And I think that's the reason that we all keep coming back episode after episode, season after season, year after year. It's the fact that we do serve quite an important purpose and a voice that isn't necessarily spoken for for a lot of these shows. Like if you if you take us out of Demol Belgi or Vias Demol, there are no other English language podcasts for those shows. If you take us out of Amazing Race, then it obviously would still go ahead, but there's nobody else really telling the truth. And as much as it's sore for people to listen to sometimes when we go in on these shows, it all comes from a place of love. And like Take Us Out of Hunted, there is nothing. And Hunted, we really enjoy doing because there is that community there that embraces us so for me i think that just remembering that we do serve a very important purpose keeps me going with these podcasts even when i'm doing three a week or interrupting my holiday to recap vsdm all as will happen in a couple of weeks it's always having the foresight to go we're actually doing something good even if even if nobody listens we're still there what's crazy from my perspective is just how many different things have happened in the six and a half years of this podcasting coverage and all the opportunities that have come about and the fact that i've met pretty much all of you guys now i've met you uh eamon michelle ben uh then some of the listeners as well and the fact that it's 
kind of inspired me to travel as much as I have over the past few years. I think one award we could have done is uh, best location that either of us have podcast from while on each of our holidays because we both have some pretty good spots. I think you win that by default. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you exactly what my favorite location you've ever podcasted from was. I'll guess. I'll guess. The airport in Johannesburg? Cape Town. <laughs> Cape Town, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the departure lounge of the Cape Town airport after... Um... Was, it, was it Cape... I thought it was Johannesburg. No, it's Cape Town. Cape Town? Okay. Because I remember when I went to Cape Town last year sending you a message going Cape Town International Airport says hi. <laughs> yeah, when Logan ended up podcasting from the departure lounge of Cape Town International Airport after he fell asleep twice when we were meant to be recording for Demol Belsey that week. Yeah. But yeah, I I love doing the podcast, and I wouldn't do it if I didn't love doing it. Some weeks it's harder than others, some weeks it's very difficult to fit in and make everything work, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, the the opportunities that we have all got from this, not just the travel, but I mean... Would I have done any TV quiz shows without this podcast? Probably not, because I maybe never would have met Ant. Would I have ever gone to a mole finale? Hell no, because that is a money can't buy experience. And that like create increased our bond too as well. Yeah, I mean that is something that we are both going to remember for life. And I was thinking about this earlier. Weirdly, we get a second chance at a money can't buy experience this year and we're going to embrace it i'll warn you now <laughs> mm -hmm. and then i was thinking i probably uh i don't end up on filipino radio or meeting up with rovilson or going to or the my experiences with the finales too of going to amazing race 28 and 29 finale and the survivor co-wrong finale like those are all things that that happened either from the podcast or I guess the Survivor finale was more from uh, when I hosted Survivor games back in the day. But overall, just all these bonds I was thinking about probably doesn't happen unless we had done this podcasting. Even when we did like their six-month break, that six-month break was overdue <laughs> at the end of last year. I will say that. And that's what keeps us going after, yeah, the six and a half years. And who knows what the next six and a half years will bring and and it's the fact that both of us are in our 20s and 20s is such a rapid change uh within a person's life just all the changes that you and i have both gone through michael is quite substantial yeah i mean purely from a personal standpoint been on two quiz shows changed jobs three times is it one two three yeah changed jobs three times since we started doing the podcast moved house twice yeah I mean, a lot of like life changes have gone on in the past six and a half years. I'm, I must say, as probably my final thing, given that it's two minutes to one in the morning for me right now, mm -hmm. I'm very proud of us. I'm very proud after that first episode that we kept persevering, and I'm very proud that we expanded how we did and brought in such wonderful people and just kept the faith and allowed ourselves to to do it because i don't think we will find a better group of people to do this with and that is podcast number 300 yeah that's it i don't think there is anything else to say so i'm going to go into the the outro now 
So thank you so much for listening to this special episode and any or all of the 299 episodes that went before it. My thanks, of course, go to Ant, Ben, Eamon, Heather, Logan, Maeve, Michelle and Spencer for all their hard work over the past six and a half years. Thank you to every single one of you who has contacted us and interacted with us and watched shows with us and speculated and everything to do with that. And for listening. And we'll be back with our continuing Hunted, Vista Mole, Belgium Mole and Amazing Race podcasts and, of course, much more on the sites. Thank you again and we will see you next time. Bye! Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Peace out and just chill till the next 300 podcasts. Fuck no. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.